Welcome to the Women's Bible Study Podcast, a ministry of Sheridan House. We continue today in the series, Reflection, a Study of Philippians. If you missed any part of this series, you can find it and others online at sheridanhouse.org backslash WBS. We hope you enjoy today's lesson. Today, we are talking about reflecting citizenship And as we talk about what that looks like in our lives practically, we're going to start by talking about, first on your outline, what kind of examples are you following? Who is your example? Who stands before you? Humanly, of course, Jesus Christ, the ultimate, ultimate example for us. Oh, my goodness, as he walked this world (laughs) at not an easy time of, of history, but practically also human examples. I'll never forget early on when um, we first came here to Sheridan House, a couple of youngsters, I still am, but you know, and um, no children yet or any of that. And I remember Bob had gone out to lunch with um, a staff member from our church that we're part of, actually the namesake of Sheridan House. And as he parked the car and got out again to, you know, get into his car, he looked over at the maintenance crew. And there in the maintenance crew was this gentleman in a maintenance outfit, and he was trimming the the hedges with the rest of the maintenance crew. And he stood up, and all of a sudden he goes, hey, Robert. And Bob almost fainted because he was the founding and lead pastor of the church at that time. And here he was in maintenance garb, trimming branches and bushes. And that was so impacting on Bob, an example to him. Another thing that happened a while ago was um, we had one of our single mom events, and it was the Thanksgiving event. And um, one of the single moms that was coming here to receive help was a bailiff in the courts in Fort Lauderdale, and um, she went out to get her her turkey and food for Thanksgiving, and there in the back of a truck was somebody that was schlepping turkeys out of the truck to the single moms, and she said, oh my goodness, isn't that circuit court so-and-so from the downtown court system, and she was blown away that this judge, this quote, person of influence, both of those people that I've just mentioned to you in leadership, people of importance or whatever, were an example of service, an example of putting themselves aside, an example of a servant spirit. Who is an example to you? That is what we're going to be talking about. In these next verses, Paul is encouraging us to be careful about who we look up to. And it's such an appropriate message today, for goodness sake, the United States of America. Who do we look up to in a time when our culture lifts up celebrities and lifts up models that are size zero? Anybody even touch a size zero in the last... And if you did, don't even look at me, okay? Please. You know, that's what our culture is holding up. And so what we need to do, wow, is say, who do we, are we engaging the same examples and role models that our culture does? And can I cannot believe I'm saying this to you after the Super Bowl halftime. 
Is it okay for me to say that publicly? Are you horrified? I, I, I mean, any of you who have young sons, really? I had a, a, a one, sharp young woman last night. She said, you know, I had a, I have my 13-year-old son was there, and she said, and we were at a friend's home, and so I can't go over and turn off the television. Say, so you can't watch that. He says, there's no way you can do that when you're visiting somebody else. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, wow, this is incredible. And people across social media, did you see this? Or, and on the news saying, and she had her daughter up there. That's so wonderful. And I was like, what are you modeling about womanhood? I don't care if you're a Christian or not Christian. What are you modeling of what is important as a, a woman in our culture today? Well, I'm not going to, if, if I start, I'll be talking the whole time. So I'm going to, but you know what I'm talking about. We need to look into our lives. How are we modeling? How are we modeling the next generation? Look at what the Apostle Paul says in this verse, verse 17, chapter 3, verse 17. Brothers, Join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Now, A, he's talking to us about what we're just talking about. What are good human examples? Notice he says, good examples you have in us. It almost, you, you almost want to say, wow, Paul, I mean, that sounds kind of like you're bragging. Like, look at me, I'm such a good example. But we need to receive it from the spirit of the rest of his words that he will say in this passage and also in many other passages. Number one, Paul is not claiming to have reached perfection. Listen to his words, remember his words, I should say, in, in chapter 3, verse 12. Not that I have already attained this or am already perfect. Remember, he said that in the third chapter. He also said in... Uh, the seventh chapter of Romans, verse 23. But I see my members, in my members, another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? It's, he's, he's saying very realistically, boy, haven't we all experienced this, that in my mind I know, but then there's my body, and I'm trying to you know, get a balance going here, and I'm just so subject to this um, sin nature that I will have until I cross the portals of heaven, is, he's saying. So we see that he's not saying, hey, I'm perfect, watch me, not at all. Another verse, 1 Timothy 1, uh, 15, the end of it, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am foremost. So we need, know that Paul, the Apostle Paul, is not bragging and saying, hey, look at me as perfection. What he's saying, look at me and my attitude. So what is he saying to us? What are we supposed to glean from this? Number two, he is questing to mature and grow. He's saying, hey, I'm not perfect yet. I'm working on it. But I am working on it. Let's be working on this, is what his, his uh, what are you saying? I want to continue to mature and grow in the things of God. Now, follow my example. You should have the same attitude, too, not only for ourselves, but as we have talked in the weeks past, let us never forget three, someone is always watching. Someone 
is always watching. Every one of us is someone's example. Let me say that again. Every one of us is someone's example. Never has that become more clear to me as when I became a mother and then grandmother, that there are people watching me. I don't like that idea because I'm not, like Paul, you know, goodness sake, I'm not perfect and I don't like everybody watching to see if I am, but we need to be aware of that. But not only in our families, but also in the office, in the neighborhood, in our beauty salons, in our favorite restaurants, wherever we are. You know, I don't ever want to be the kind of um, uh, uh, person going into a restaurant that um, puts a track instead of a tip. I remember saying that a couple weeks ago, and somebody said, what's, said, what's a track? <laughs> a little pamphlet that says, this is how you become a Christian, so I'm not going to leave you any money to help you pay the mortgage, but here, have this. Wow. Anyway, I don't want to be that. No, I don't want to be that, do you? I want to be an example. People are watching our lives. Our choice is not whether we will be an example, but whether we're going to be a good one. Whether we're going to be a good one. We may not like the idea. We may not want to be an example, but guess what? We have no choice. People are watching us. People are watching us. We will either point others to Jesus or be an example of everything a Christian should not be. Wow, that's heavy. And that is a point that Paul is attempting to make with that verse. It was amazing. Last night, one of our, uh, a new gal that has just started coming to Bible study, she came up afterwards and she said, you know, I thought when you're talking about that, you know, of being an example, and she said, you know, I, I thought about the fact, if I were on trial for being a Christian, would I be convicted? And I said, wow. I love that. I wish I'd thought of it. I'm not going to give you any credit for it. But her name was Jean. But anyway, uh, I just thought that was such a great comment that, um, you know, if people are looking in, what are they seeing? Okay, B, what are not good human examples? Unfortunately, Paul goes on to say that not everybody you encounter, even in the Christian community, is going to have that mindset. Being a good example of, of being a good example, being their passion. Now, again, growing, uh, uh, you know, we, we're not always going to be great examples, but are we growing? Are we growing in the Lord? Is that our passion? Is that what we desire in our lives? Um, we talked about that a lot last week, about how we are like little fruits, fruit, pieces of fruit on a tree, and how, you know, we, we're not ripe yet. We won't be ripe until we get to heaven, but we need to be getting bigger and bigger and more and more ripe and, you know, more getting closer to the tastiness of a piece of fruit, um, more so today than yesterday. We need to be growing, 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 and that's kind of the idea that Paul is presenting him here, but he goes on to say, you know what? Not everybody is going to be like that in our lives, in our surrounding people. In verse 18 and 19, he says, for many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. In verse 19, their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, which I really wish I didn't have to read that after that breakfast out there. Wow. And their glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Number one, first, people who are enemies of the gospel. Isn't it interesting that this book that is full of joy and rejoicing and all that. Here Paul is talks about being in tears. 
And he's in tears, interesting, that not for himself, but all that was happening to him. Here he was in prison, and in a prison system of uh, Rome at that time was nothing like what we have today. Not that I've been in prison, but that's what I hear. Um, but anyway, uh, but what was going on in his life? He was, he was not free. He didn't know when he was going to be uh, executed. And he was going through a lot himself, but he never cries for himself. He is crying for the people that are, call themselves Christians and were not living that way, were professing Christians and how some of them were living. In his day, they were people who clung to legalisms and traditions. I think we talked about that a couple weeks ago. Enemies of the cross today are perhaps some of the same, emphasizing pious behavior and going through certain rituals in order to impress God. But as we talked earlier, uh, a couple weeks ago, that that is not what being a Christian is all about, is it? Not at all. In contrast to the gospel, his grace has made it possible for me to approach the throne of the Almighty, not by anything we can do, or our pious behavior, but because of all that Jesus did. Wow, wow, that's the emphasis. But perhaps the bad example that is even more prevalent in our times, yes, we can have some of those pious, well, I go to church every Sunday and blah, 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 whatever they say. But I think one that's perhaps a little bit more prevalent is number two, people who pursue earthly appetites. Yes, I mean, hey, I accept the Lord at uh, children's camp when I was five, but now, you know what? Hey, I am busy. I got stuff going on. I don't have time for all that churchy stuff and go to a lady's Bible study and this and that. I got groceries to do, laundry to, to, to wash. I've got children to raise. I have all this to do. I, you know, I don't have time for things like church. Are you kidding? I, you know, but I'm okay. I'm a Christian. Wow. It's sometimes what we hear out there. He's talking here about people who claim to know Jesus, but their mind is on earthly things, things that will pass away. Or how about this one? Yeah, I asked God, Jesus into my heart, and so I know I'm forgiven, and so I'm going to go ahead and do some of the things I really, really want to do, and I know in the end he'll forgive me because I'm a Christian. I've told you the story before, but I'll never forget. Um, years ago, I was out to lunch with uh, this young woman, and she said, you know what, I'm considering, in our small group, she said, I'm considering having an affair with, you know, so-and-so in our small group, and um, I'm like, <laughs> and, and she says, um, she said, and I, and I know it's, I know it's wrong, <laughs> but you know, we're both Christians, and she said, and I know when I'm done with all this, that God will forgive me. I was so astonished that, guess what? I did not have a good answer, and I stand before the Lord. Forgive me, Jesus, for not saying something like, are we kidding? Anyway, but, I, but that is sometimes the, the thinking. Let me go ahead and do whatever I want to do because, hey, I'm forgiven. Well, here's the thing. If we truly have been forgiven, if we truly have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then we will hate anything in our lives that are contrary to Scripture. Because if it's contrary to Scripture, if we're involved in that kind of blatant chosen sin, that is what put Jesus on the cross. 
And so that should change our perspective of how we look at scriptures and think about them and talk about them. John uh, said, Apostle John said in 1 John 2, 15 through 17, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, pride of life, is not from the Father, but from this world. And the world is passing away, passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Wow. How careful we need to be not to be developing that kind of mindset, but instead, what should my, next on your outline, what should our perspectives be? Warren Wearsby said this, it has to do with one's behavior as a citizen of a nation. Paul is encouraging us to have the spiritual mind, uh, and he did this by pointing out the characteristics of a Christian whose citizenship is in heaven. Look at verse 20 with me. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we eagerly await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So first, A, we belong here or there. In other words, our citizenship is here on earth, or our citizenship is there. We belong here or there. Our citizenship is in heaven. If we have received Jesus as our personal Savior, we don't belong to the society around us any more than those Christians did at that time. We need to analyze and ask the Lord, is there anything in my life that reflects this citizenship, the citizenship of the society? How about my thinking? What is important? What I am saying? Um, and can I say, Super Bowl halftime, <laughs> how I dress? What am I reflecting? Am I reflecting the world, my citizenship here, or am I reflecting that citizenship, the citizenship where I am headed, my ultimate citizenship? The other thing that's interesting, I love this quote by D.L. Moody, it's in your book, uh, don't be so heavenly minded that you are no earthly good. Do you love that one? Well, and that's saying, okay, all right, my citizenship is in heaven, and so my only concern is to be, you know, I have to be very careful. Well, we do have to be very careful, but you know what I'm saying. I'm not saying we have to dress like Mennonites or Amish. I'm just saying let's be careful. Let's not be so heavenly minded that, that we can't even, people can't even, you know, connect with us. We need to be so careful of that. We need to be balanced in this area. B, I should reflect my citizenship. You all know that when I was growing up, I uh, grew up in Japan on the mission field with my parents, and we loved the Japanese culture. All my girlfriends were Japanese, and we, I just loved everything about it. We all did. Um, parents on down, we all did. As my mother was homeschooling me every morning, and my brothers, um, every morning we did get to go to Japanese school a little bit, but um, part of it I was homeschooled. And um, every morning when we would get up and start our classes at 9 o'clock sharp, um, she would make us stand up and we had to pledge our allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. Yes, we were immersed in a culture that we loved, but she didn't want us to forget there's another culture that we're coming from. Wow, that's the picture here. 
Yes, we're in a culture here. Yes, we don't want to be so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. But we need to know where our true citizenship is. Number one, our focus and perspective here should be him, where we are headed. Number two, our eager anticipation of the future. We are to eagerly await, be waiting for him to come for us rather than fulfilling our earthly uh, appetites as the enemies of the cross, as he said in an earlier verse, do. Many of you, uh, when we went through the heaven study last year, many of you came and said, is it okay to have a longing for that? Yes, it is so okay. Because what happens is when we have a longing of there, it will my, affect my here, won't it? it? It will affect how I respond. Um, I'll never forget Bob's first administrative assistant before our beloved Benetta. Her name was Lillian, and she was like a mom to us and a grandmother to my children. And um, she developed terminal lung cancer. And uh, one of the last times we saw her in the ha hospital, uh, my children were with me, and she said, you know what? Just her face just beamed. She said, you know what? My bags are packed. I'm ready. It was the most glorious moment. My children were so affected by that comment. Wow, I'm ready. I'm not like, oh, no. I'm, I, I'm ready to go was her perspective. I, that is where my citizenship is eventually, is what she said. When we have that kind of eager, as the verse says, anticipation of realizing our true citizenship, eager literally means, in the original language, earnest uh, fervency. It causes our perspective to be different on our day-to-day in what we're dealing with. Again, last week, there was so much emphasis on the athletics. Remember, we talked about the 5K, and um, who's winning, anyway? The 5K, and we talked about the, the mud run and, you know, all those obstacles and all those kinds of things. And it's kind of like, you know, a, um, an Olympic athlete. When an Olympic athlete pictures in his mind or her mind the gold medal, what does it do? It propels her to do better and better and better and work and work and work on that. And it, it changes the perspective as you anticipate the gold medal. It gives you the strength to persevere in tough times. And that's what we want to think about. Our citizenship, the gold medal, someday that we will receive, wow, should color our todays. And to have the drive to strive for whatever it takes to excel, just like that Olympic winner. The pic that's the picture here. With heaven as our perspective, it will give us an eagerness to keep on keeping on. Small a, how do we become citizens? First thing, I don't know if you've ever done this where you've gone into um, one of the government office buildings to get your TSA rating. Have you done that? Wow. I mean, it is grueling. I mean, it was for us anyway. I mean, you have to have your birth certificate and you have a thousand questions. It took hours, as I recall, to, to get that TSA. But the wonderful thing is you get to the airport and, you, and, you, and on the top of your ticket it says TSA approved and you get to go in a short line rather than the long line <laughs> that it takes you to get to the gate. It's wonderful. 
I mean, it's, it's worth it after you've spent all that time going through, oh, the tediousness of getting a TSA approval. That's what we have. As citizens, we do nothing for our heaven, heavenly citizenship. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. He got us our TSA, the sin atoned. He has gotten us our TSA. And guess what? We didn't even have to stand in line for hours and hours and hours to get it. Wow. He has given us our TSA. The other one, Transportation Security Administration. Jesus, the sin atoned. Wow. 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 B, as citizens, our perspective changes. Instead of an earthly perspective, we realize the only thing that matters is how it reflects our heavenly home. An eagerness to keep on doing our best here for there. Doing whatever we are called on to do to grow the kingdom. That's our task while we're here. While we're waiting for um, our, to take our TSA and hand it off and say, here I am. I'm, I'm here. Um, to receive the citizenship. While we're here, if we're still here, we have business to do. We have, we have to build the kingdom. We have to make sure that there are more people uh, getting their citizenship for the eternal uh, citizenship, our eternal destination. That is why we're still here, if we're still here. Next on your outline, what will happen as a result of our citizenship? Warren Wiersbe again said there is a tremendous energy in the present power of a future hope. Look at verse 21. Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glory, glorious body by the power that enables him even to, sub, to subject all things to himself. A, everything will be placed under his control through the power that enables him to control all, all things. One of the strong names, they're all strong, but one of the strong names of God is El Elyon. And it means the controller of the entire universe. God controls not just the galaxies, but even the molecules, doesn't he? From the molecules to the galaxies, from the galaxies to the molecules, he is the controller. And under his order means to arrange in rank in proper or order. Our problem is that we do not arrange things in their proper orders because sometimes our values can become twisted. And that's what we need to be careful of, making sure that our values reflect our eternal citizenship. Therefore, often we waste our energies on useless endeavors, things that really don't count really don't count. Living in this perspective as heavenly citizens means allowing Jesus to order the things in the proper rank of importance to control our lives, to hand off that control to, to him. Living in that perspective of eternity, our heavenly citizenship, by his power. And the original language, the Greek for the word power is the word from which we get the word dynamite dynamite. Wow. So the great God with his dynamite power will help us as we yield to him to live our lives in light of our heavenly 
citizenship. B, we will be transformed. He will transform with his dynamite power these decaying, enslaved by sin bodies. Have you ever done this in the morning? You walk into the bathroom. I've said this before, you're laughing already. Walk in the bathroom, and I look in the mirror, and I go, wow. That's not too bad. I mean, really? For a 35-year-old? I mean, why are you laughing at that? And I'm thinking, you know what? I was thinking I had getting some, you know, wrinkles and stuff, but wow, that's not, not bad. And then I put on my glasses. <laughs> what just happened? In the minutes of putting on my glasses, I aged 40 years. Wow. The glasses give us a reality, don't they? Wow. Number one, we are in traveling clothes. And can I quickly say, the youngest woman sitting in here, do you know that your body is decaying? Denise, you are too much. Oh, my goodness. Because we are decaying, even Denise, because we are in traveling clothes. Today, in our decaying bodies, um, the verse says lowly bodies, and we know what that means. Original means vile bodies. Wow, amazing. Uh, <clears throat> but when we see Jesus... Here's the promise. When you're looking at that in the mirror and you're like, oh boy, remember this. 1 Corinthians 15, 43, in a twinkling of an eye, we'll be like Jesus. Wow. Can you imagine? Wow. I love it. I'll be able to think straight, remember things, not drop my phone on the stairs this morning, for goodness sake, and then spill my coffee on top of it. Um, you know, all of those things that, that kind of characterize the decaying form, we're going to be perfect. Again, 1 Corinthians 15, 42, in a twinkling of an eye, the moment he receives me, I'm going to have no longer decaying, painful, oh, that hurt body anymore. Not a wrinkle, not, not, a, not needing contacts or, or, or glasses, none of it. None of it. Not needing pills, not needing supplements, all the things that we do, wow, as women. I mean, even hair color, right? It's size two over there, size zero. Anyway, because number two, we will be like him. We will be transformed into being a dazzling bride, it tells us in the book of Revelation. We will arrive in the most glorious wedding gown we have ever imagined. I mean, let your imagination run wild. Sparkly? I don't know. I mean, are you a ruffle girl, a sparkly girl? And, and I'm sure every one of us will be different from the other. We will have our unique wows about us. I mean, I just kind of, that's kind of something fun to ponder, isn't it? What will I be like? What will I look like? Wow, I will be perfect. The dazzling bride of the Lamb of God. Wow, wow. Preparing for the marriage feast of the Lamb. Wow. We are the bride of Christ, and someday we'll look like it. Wow. Number three, 
We will be energized by hope. That is what our perspective needs to be, that we're energized as we think about that. This isn't the final hurrah, for goodness sake. Thank goodness. Wow. Um, I, I need to be hopeful. I need to have that perspective. Uh, I need to be focused with deep joy and anticipation that this is so temporary. The things I'm struggling with in my life, temporary. The hurtful things, temporary. The decaying, temporary. All of that is a temporary condition. And daily revisit all the areas of my life. Um, am I looking like his bride? Am I sounding like his bride? Am I analyzing my life as his bride? Is my perspective pleasing him as his bride? I'll never forget, you've heard me say this a hundred times too. Uh, one of my mentors, Grace Chavis, just such a wonderful woman. She really was a mentor of my life. She, uh, she, and I've told you this story before. She, every morning she'd put her feet on the ground getting out of bed and she'd say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad at it. And that began her day where she'd say, okay, Lord, this is a new day. You have made this. I am alive today. And so I have purpose. Show me what that purpose is. And she would pray that verse to say, what is today going to look like for you? How will that perspective be? What will my, um, what will my areas of, of working on be in my life? How can I look more like a bride to you. I'm adding many, many words to but that was the concept that she was, was saying as she got up every morning. This is a new day. How am I going to be used for the kingdom's sake? As long as I'm here would be her, her perspective. Someday we will be with our glorious bridegroom. Someday, in a twinkling of an eye, we will look like our glorious bridegroom. Murray Harris said this, Paul is saying then that in a place of an earthly body is always characterized by physical decay, indignity, weakness, the resurrected believer will have a heavenly body that is incapable of deterioration, beautiful in form and appearance, and all with all limitless energy and perfect health. Once he experiences a resurrection transformation, man will know perennial rejuvenations since he will have a perfect vehicle for God's deathless spirit, a body that is invariably responsive to his transformed personality. Wow, that is so heavy and intense as we need to read it over and over again on those days when you don't feel like your citizenship is in heaven let's read those words when we're struggling let's read those words when we're going through difficulty let's read those words when we're wounded from each other let's read those words we are someday headed to our true citizenship and we're going to look like it sound like it and be like it